Off the Ball with thanks to Ford. Introducing the newest member of our team, the mighty new Ford C-Max. Ford, driving expectations even further. All right, a very good evening to you. Welcome along to Friday Night's Off the Ball. Brian O'Driscoll, a very good evening to you. Yeah, good to be back. Colin, how are you? Not too bad. Good um, to have Drico back. It is. It is. Uh, not for the champagne, if nothing else. <laughs> the champagne and the oysters. <laughs> this is true. They have an oyster festival on at the Shelburne, and they said it's in some champagne and oysters. Almost didn't get to do the uh, pre seven o'clock there because they put some Tabasco on it, as you know. Uh, I've done this before. <laughs> the oyster is stuck, and the Tabasco poured straight down the back of my throat. <laughs> but you know, ever the professional, I didn't let that get to me. How's it going? Good World Cup so far. Yeah, it's been great. Great, uh, great opening Japan. opening week. Yeah, um, largely down to Japan, <laughs> um, and then. Um, I think as well, even the big teams, you know, haven't, you know, smashed anyone. New Zealand not doing the complete job on Namibia yesterday yeah. is good for the competition. It you know, really when, is. When the, when the bookies get the spread completely wrong, I think it was 82 and they, what was they yes. beat them 44 or 75. We were like, oh, but get yeah. out of that, it's going to yeah. be 120. Yeah, so it is, that is good. So the whole Minnows thing getting better, yes, that's true. But also, from an Irish perspective, all the other teams not, all the, all the high-level teams not being unbelievable is good news to us. Yeah, because we were, my main concern coming in was that we didn't really have any players who were in form. And then it turned out a load of players were in form. They just had decided to mask that up until the game started. They showed nothing in those warm-up games, um, particularly uh, the two losses. Um, really basic game plan and it was I spoke to Joe Schmidt before the game uh, last weekend on Saturday and he talked about just getting them game time just wanting to build their minutes and not really show their hand and he wasn't concerned at all about um, about the results he, you know, he knew they were in good shape and knew then the bespoke game plans for each of the teams in the pool stages he'd be able to implement then and, and they wouldn't have seen you know, Canada doing any analysis on Ireland wouldn't have been able to see anything that was coming at them Yeah which is kind of weird isn't it that um, we seem to know more about them even though we're obviously the top tier nation who every minute of our games is televised like obviously every minute of you can get tape on Canada if you're Joe Schmidt I presume um, but it's it's not easy and it seemed as if a lot of the international managers didn't have as much work done on their opposition the obvious example being South Africa like mm. if Joe Schmidt was faced with the task of playing Japan then you suspect he would have had his team organised to do something better Yeah I, I think there was, with the Japanese result I would think there was two things I think South Africa were poor but they weren't allowed play and Japan were very good in their offence, which historically they haven't been. Um, they were incredibly well organised. You can tell that Steve Borthwick, who's a little bit anal about his, you know, his line out and maul and it's so effective. And their skill level was the, was the real eye catcher. Um, their quality of passing and, um, you know, I suppose Japan are always known for having a certain amount of imports. Um, but I think they made a big difference. The guys that came off the bench as well. You yeah. think you might Japan might have seven or eight good players, but they actually had guys coming off the bench making proper impacts. Um, so it was a shame that you know they've got the horrible, um, they had the horrible backup of you know four days later, and to play two test matches in five days is is a pretty big ask. Yeah, I mean if they'd one of the other minnows even in the second game, they might have had a chance. But the yeah, fact that Scotland, the top two yeah, teams, the two hardest ones, yeah, and Scotland then obviously had good tape. It was like, hang on a second, Japan are going to try this, this and this and we can we can analyse that because that's the level that Vern Cotter's operating at, I presume. It is, yeah. and and But, it, but a, a, you know, I suppose an important point, even the, the, the try that Japan scored was still off a rolling mall. So you can tell that, that, that Steve Borthwick has had a big effect and obviously Eddie Jones chose that well-coached teams. Yeah. You know, They're really good at that the rolling mall. 
that, but that's the difference and I think that's why we're in a really fortunate position you can tell Eddie Jones is, is, has done a good job there yeah. and Steve Borthwick has and that's the same with, with Ireland you can tell that a good job is being done because they're well coached they're well drilled they understand what they're doing and then you know the, the second nature of just playing happens See, none of that stuff was actually visible for that whole four or five week period of build up to the World Cup. Were they just hiding it? Was that yeah, just a. Just they were trying to go, get under the radar, you know, just slip in. There was no. You, know, you didn't hear a huge amount from the Irish setup, even the social media net, you know, the channels. It was, it was under the radar. It was. Apart from their um, corporate days, of course. <laughs> Obviously, yeah, obviously those. <laughs> Let's but, not be silly. But, but even the you know the the open sessions. Anytime there was an open session, they do defensive sets or yeah. they do fitness. You know they were showing nothing at all, and it's definitely. I think the the ranks have closed in all the more. I think that you know the paranoia has kicked in, but I think no one's allowed. Um, no one was allowed the training base in Carton House. You couldn't have you know people wandering up and, and watching sessions. That's all gone. So tell me, if you're a player and you're in the middle of all that, do you not want to be playing well in those games, or are you like it's okay, it's fine? It's, you you want to play well and you want to you want to win, of course, because it you know inspires confidence. But the same happened in 2011, where it was a really bad run in to to um, to the pools, and then, and then we won all four matches in the pools. So I think the, the word in the camp was that they were happy with how it had all gone, how, what level of fitness they were at, the scores they were they were accumulating um, and and their minutes on on the field the, there's a big uh, strength and conditioning input from Jason Cowman he, head of of that side of things and he would have you know collaborated with Joe and, and put in a, a really very sophisticated plan as to how much time guys were spending on their feet throughout the summer throughout the course of the seven or eight week preseason we've talked a good bit about um, <clears throat> generally the importance of strength and conditioning and the sports science but there is also this kind of sense of um I don't know if it's emotional or whatever, and I don't want to get too highfalutin about it, but I feel like I'm playing well at the moment and I haven't had enough minutes to get my eye in. It's, that's, there's no science to that. That's an individual thing. Some guys feel as though I always felt that I was better when I had four or five under my belt than after one or two. And, and if the sports scientist comes over and says, no, 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 your GPS is a little bit down here and you're a bit tired. You know, it's like an ego being massaged, of course. You know, if you're told you're, you know, you're better than you think you are, well then, that's, that's a, there's no negative to that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> What was it? Raj was told when he was with Munster, he was telling us two weeks ago that you're the king. Oh, yeah. He used to be told at halftime, are you okay, king? Raj was Raj telling himself he was the king <laughs> as well. Raj talking to himself. <laughs> we're going to preview the Wales-England game a little bit later on, um, but we're going to talk about the Ireland team that was named today. So if you missed it, it's uh, Healy, Strauss and White. It's Sonic Ryan and Devon Toner in the second row. Jordy Murphy, Chris Henry, Jamie Heasick will captain the team from eight. Owen Redden, Ian Madigan, Cave and Payne is the uh, centre partnership. Keith Earls, Tommy Bow, and Simon Zebo at full back. Um, just chatting in the office a little bit earlier on, Brian, we were trying to work out who this is good news for and who it's bad news for. Uh, it's obviously great news for Keane Healy to be starting a game. Yeah, it's huge for it's huge for Ireland and for Keane Healy. He needs he's the one one of the guys that needs minutes. Obviously, just came off for a, for half a, half an hour stint his first game time last weekend, and no ill effects, obviously, and he's. He, he, I suppose again he'll be looking at getting 60 minutes he's yeah. not going to look to get an 80 minute game out of him um, because we've only two loose heads we have to we have to box clever From Healy's perspective how quickly is it possible for him to get to a level that we know he's capable of or do you kind of hope that we see that for a 40 minute period at some point in this World Cup I think for him um, you know getting his eye in on, on 
on skills of, of 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 simple skills of just you know timing the timing when to run onto the pass and um, identifying the speed of when it's coming at him. He's someone that that gets better with game time. So it wouldn't surprise me if we see Keane back on the bench for Italy and France. But the more twenty and thirty minute blast that he gets, the more he'll become first choice. Yeah, you know, please God, when we get to knockout stages, and the more dynamic he can be at that stage as well. Well, he's just he's another ball carrier. You know, when you when we had the trouble four years ago where. The, the Welsh just marked Sean O'Brien and we'd no alternative Yeah. whereas now we've got Henderson playing you know, who's, who's, who's cemented his place as, as the second second row great ball carrier when you've got the likes of Keen coming off the bench really explosive can get you over the gain line it's, it's, it's a nice um, luxury to have you know, knowing that Jack McGrath will do a brilliant job for 55 or 60 minutes to bring that off the bench bench players aren't there to just plug plug the gaps. They're there to now, and and they'll be told from Joe that they've got to go on and improve the performance, not just keep it at the level it's at. Yeah. But you actually have to bring something. Is that is that hard on Toner because he's done nothing wrong at all? It's just the brilliance of Henderson. I, yeah, I think it is that. I think from uh, from a lineout point of view, um, you know, when you when you're six ten, if you throw it to yeah. a certain point, no one can get there. Um, so is you know, he is not, guaranteed is nice lineup ball. It is. It is and. Uh, I don't know. Was you know was he was he carrying a knock last week where Dunnock Ryan was was on the bench instead yeah. of himself? Um, you'd have to think he's a good luxury to to bring on if your line out was struggling. You could bring him on, but at the same time, Paulie is is such a, a an astute line out operator that um, he can work Hendy to to the best of his ability, and you know he can throw a lot of ball to himself. He doesn't. He'll take on more of uh, more of that. Rather than put it back on 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 Ian Henderson or on or on Pete, who's a, another great lineout option, so we're in good shape from a lineout point of view. And and Simon needs to be done a lot of work, and I think that's one of our one of our strengths. When when it is good, it's a real strength of ours. And that's bad news for Toner in a way, in that they're not reliant on him then because they've got all these other options. Yeah, it is because he, he no matter what, he, you know, Dev's a big guy. He's 120 kilos, but he's not a dynamic ball carrier. Oh. He's awkward. He's injured many's uh, teammates, you know, from the high knees and and wild elbows. He's um, not an impact option though off the bench, is he? Unless n- your line out struggling. Not really. Not really. Um, but not not to the same degree as obviously Henderson, Henderson brings yeah. that spark. Are we losing that then? Well, but, well alternatively, you're, what are you gaining from yeah. Ian Henderson for for? And he's an 80 minute guy. You know, he's you saw at the weekend. Paulie had ten minutes in the bin, and then he was still substituted. Now that's preservation of of one of your really important players. But Ian Henderson is young, and he's athletic, and he's well capable of doing eighties. You know, every week. Yeah, and you'd have to say Toner Henderson's probably going to be our long term partnership after the World Cup. Is that you would think so. Yeah. Well, you know, I think Henderson's now playing himself in as as a guy that could be there for a long, long time. And you know, Dev was a guy there before. I suppose Donnick Ryan might have something to say about that if he can bring a little bit of form back because he brings a different thing altogether. He brings that edge, yeah. that you know, that nastiness that that you know is always nice in your second row. And Paulie has that in spades, so it's always nice to have you know one guy that's able to do the nice stuff. Mal was always a great guy for you know operating well at lineouts and. Um, and you know, and hitting rooks, but and, and you know, little pop passes. But then it was also nice having Jeremy Davison, yeah. who had the bit of tug to go around and and, and, and enforce Hines. things. Nathan Hines, Paddy Johns was another <laughs> one. Yeah, all these guys. Good having that balance between your second rows. Yeah. A question from Rob by text: Shouldn't it be Dunnick Ryan on the bench in that case? It doesn't mean he's ahead of Toner, but he would be a better bench option. Do you know is that? Um, poss- possibly, possibly. Um, yeah. Listen, it's 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 not. 
you know, I'm not ruling it out, but I, I would say it just seems it does seem very hard on, yeah. on Dev that you you know you play all the Six Nations games, you play pretty well throughout yeah. the tournament, and then Ian Henderson's been the form player for Ireland in the warm up games. Rightly so, he's been picked on form. Yeah, and then all of a sudden it's you're, funny how you know, the you're holding bags for the rest of the of the of the tournament. The warm up games only matter if you do brilliantly or really badly. If yeah. you're in the middle, it's like it's grand. So yeah. No one cares about you. Yeah. You know, oh, we're, we're keeping it secret. Yeah. But then if you're Henderson and explode, it's like, well, I'm in the team. Yeah, when you look at that with with, um, with Tommy Bowe and Dave Carney. So it's the, the perfect example. Dave you know, was probably periphery hoping to get into the squad. And now you'd have to think that he's the number one right winger. Tommy Bowe was an untouchable on this, on yeah. this team for the longest period of time. Mm. And now suddenly it's like, this team named today, we were talking about the, the, the back three is Earl's Bo and Zebo, and nobody would have been terribly surprised if Zebo and Bo started the tournament. Um, now suddenly it's like, well, actually, these three are all. Who's going to be in the squad? Yeah, it mu- it must create a great atmosphere in training, knowing that you know if I play well or in in games that it's not an established fifteen. If I play well, I'm in. And it's not only playing well; you got to train well for him. Right. He doesn't. Joe does not like guy that. You know, the trains like Tarzan plays like Jane or the flip side. Yeah. You've got to still, you've got to train like Tarzan and play like Tarzan. So, um, yeah, it's, it, he doesn't just equate it down to, to Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon. You have to do it every day because that's where he's seeing way more of you during the week. Very hard for him to build his confidence in you yeah. when he's only judging it on 80 minutes of the weekend where there's, you know, four or five 80 minutes throughout the week where yeah. you're able to impress too. Uh, so talk to us about Earl's uh, text in from John is Earl still under the microscope on his tackling I guess all uh, all the backs are always on the, under the microscope for their tackling you know what have you done for me lately uh, mm. save that try and kill that opposition winger but like um, I thought Earl's had a great game yeah I thought he was I thought he was really strong too um, I thought it's his um, vision for the pass for, for Carney's uh, try was fantastic after a 60 minute run you know with 10 minutes to go in the game it's a really good skill uh, to be able to do to draw defenders in like that and, and, and offload um, yeah I thought he was very just very solid didn't have to do anything extraordinary I thought he tackled well he made himself a nuisance in the ruck a few times Um Again, the, the coaching ticket will be will love that. You know, he, the, he has the, Joe has a thing called logs, where you make a tackle and do you stay on the ground as a log, or do you get up and you know do you counter rook? Do you you know slow the rook down in some capacity? Yeah. Or do you bounce back on, into the defensive line or get back into the backfield? So there's lots of variables that, uh, from an attitude point of view, rather than just lying there and going, "I did my job, I just tackled the guy." So I thought Earl's being named was actually a good sign for him in terms of his potentially playing himself into contention for a position on that wing but um, maybe Luke Fitzgerald's absence is more telling yeah I, I think there's definitely a bit of that I think Luke uh, for me Luke he had a really strong game at 12 and sometimes that versatility can really really hurt you you know because Robbie Henshaw is definitely Ireland's number one twelve, and he's not fit again and you'd have to imagine that he you know next week if he is fit he comes back in and starts so then you know, Luke Fitzgerald played well last week. He's not playing well this week. He'd be nervous looking at Earls with his performance. He yeah. will, but I just feel off the back of you know the last Six Nations game, Lukey was okay, not brilliant in the warm-up games, but I thought he was very good last week. And for me, I think he starts. What what what's it like in the camp when you know you're trying to double guess the manager? Would you, like will Luke call up to one of the lads' rooms and go, right? What do you think? You know, 
he started me second centre. Am I gone here or, you know, are you unsure? Now, Lukey will back himself. Lukey's a confident guy right. too. And Lukey will think that he should be in. And that's half the battle with players. Sometimes you have players where they're deluded. They're going, and, and they're the, the common denominator. These coaches don't, don't like me. What is it? What's wrong with all seven of them that they've never picked me throughout the years? Whereas Luke is a confident guy and, right, and rightly so. And, and you have to you have to live on that confidence and that self-belief. But would there be speculation as to why you think you're rest? You know, especially in these games. Maybe we're tight it, friends. Yeah, I don't think you, you go down to the team room and broadcast going, <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not in the team, but I think he's actually saving me for next week. <laughs> yeah. In and amongst the, the clicks. Yeah with, the, yeah, with one or two of your pals, you go, what, what, what's your read on it? You know, and then your friend is obviously going to go, well, actually, I don't think it's looking good for you next week. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Jared Payne, right? The he's naming the team. It's a, it's a weird team because Heaslip is obviously named at eight, and he's definitely going to start. And after that, you're thinking, who else is definitely going to start in the big games against Italy and the big game in particular against France? And it's hard to know. But we were just chatting before. Mm. You think Payne is guaranteed his place? Yeah, at this I think stage? he. I think he is. He's in. Maybe he's probably the sixth or seventh name on the team. Right. I think. That's how important he's become. I, I I did say that about Robbie too, and now we've had to do without him. But I think uh, I understand the thirteen position quite well, and it is, and it's and the difficulty, particularly defensive defensively, and you have to be a good tackler, but you've got to be able to read things in in a split second. And I think he's doing a really good job, and I think he's becoming the glue to our really effective uh, halfback pairing. Obviously, Murray and and Sexton were brilliant at the weekend. Um, and then just being able to be a good distributor without having to do anything crazy fancy himself, I think he's creating space for the guys outside. And they obviously trust him as well. I think first and foremost, he's defensively super sound, and that's a good starting point. Um, and then on top of that, he's lovely touches. He reads the game well. He sees you know opportunities. You know, he was the one that called the crossfield kick from from Johnny early on in the game last week and unfortunately his kick through got blocked down but that was a potential score because Johnny was, was hot footing after it so it's those small things he, he plays really smart heads up rugby and Joe will Joe has a, a, an innate understanding that Jared thinks that way and he's he's a better 15 I, I, I constantly say it but because he's one of the f- he's, you know he's one of the top players in the team I mean from a skill level he's in the top 15 players in the team they have found a position for him at 13 and he's not a weak link at all then because there was some absolutely not there was some chatter that maybe Payne was playing himself out of the team but I guess that's from I just I don't see it okay I don't see it I think he's doing really really well and I I was I had you know obviously you're looking on enviously on World Cup so I had player cam on him while I was watching the game and I just thought as well, he was blowing really hard early on, and I thought if he's blowing hard, you know, it must be fast because he's a fit guy. But then he still scored that try yeah. at the death. He was still doing. He was still making those those speed repeats, and they're a sign of a guy that's in very good shape and read and play well. It's mad how he's dividing opinion. Like he's going from people thinking he shouldn't even be on the team to you know you're saying he sh- he's the sixth or seventh name on the team sheet now you obviously know better than a lot of people saying he shouldn't be on the team but there are other people say you know still the jury's out on him if he's dropped you know for the Italian game I'm not coming back in here pinned your reputation on him but I just think yeah he is he is the glue he's really he's he's those people who know nothing about rugby are saying you know he shouldn't be on the team 
if, I think or don't have an I understanding of it. I think he's a different it. sort of centre to maybe what's been there before, but it doesn't mean it's any less effective. I think he just he's a facilitator for bringing the guys outside. I got abuse for never passing the ball, whereas I think you know he has probably not been his great strengths of carrying it too haven't been fully seen or or fully yeah. fledged and I think we will see a bit more of that he just needs more game time um, why is he going to play this game the last game probably the next game the game after that I don't know I don't know that I, w- I was confused seeing him in the team sheet this week I didn't think that was going to happen I th- obviously I thought um, thought Robbie would be fit and he wasn't I thought Robbie would play with Darren Cave and that's the luxury of having Darren where he plays 12 and 13 but obviously he didn't want to play Darren and Lukey together and, and you know two guys that haven't played together yeah really um two guys Ever. that yeah uh, two guys that are are they center starters or not so again that's why i think he's playing Jared with Darren is because he's uh, he's he's the stability and he'll be able to guide him around the game it's a bit of a risk because if Henshaw is injured and Payne goes down in this game then suddenly you've got no centers who are I agree Ready but you're, you're going to always have risks in World Cups you know you can't you can't legislate for everything so yeah you, I agree it is a risk but I'd say he's someone that if we got 20 or 30 points up they'd, they'd give him some rest time for for the last 20 yeah we expect to win this game pretty straightforward yeah I'd say nothing like- crazy I'd say 30 points maybe um, you'd be hopeful um, just good solid performance um, the you know, Romanian set piece is solid, um, but just looking at their backs, I, I think they're very, very soft, and they and they encourage teams to come out. They encourage France to come onto them. So Ireland will, you know, really avail of that. Okay, and it looks like it's not the first choice Romanian team. That's yeah. I, 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 if the truth be known, I don't know that much, but I do. I, 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 I kind of got. I can't word. believe you don't know which is the first choice Romanian. That, that, that was a horrible question to throw I it caught, out. I caught, I caught word that the, the talk in the camp is that they are going to. They're looking to go after Italy and and Canada. Yeah. Or games they feel they can actually win and get and get a scalp against a team. You know, maybe Italy. Um, in the last game, I think they have them. So when you know, After when, they, when them they, yeah, exactly when they have a few more knocks and bumps and bruises. Yeah, we're we're touching wood here and making sure that we're not hexing anything. Uh, all right, five three one zero six is the text number. We're going to talk about the All Blacks. We're going to talk about uh, England Wales, and we're also going to find out what's going on down in South Africa with former Ireland captain Diana Quinnigan later on this hour. Our competition this week, though, is with thanks to Bulmer's original draft. We're giving you the chance to spend a day with us behind the scenes here at Off the Ball. Whether it's Joe Malloy dressing down an upstart researcher, Colin Parkinson ranting about being out of sugar or champagne, or Nathan Murphy telling tales about his past life as a roadie for Something Happens, you'll uh, see it all here at Off the Ball Towers. Every entry this week is into Saturday's draw for this prize. We've got an Irish rugby jersey signed by Alan Quinlan for our nightly winner this evening to enter. We have a slightly different mystery voice tonight. We don't want the commentator. We want you to tell us what member of Team Off the Ball he's talking about. He really is a, a weasel when he gets the ball in his hands, and he was a whippet there. And it's not Woolly. He really is a, a weasel when he gets the ball in his hands, and he was a whippet there. Text fan, a FAM. <laughs> Allow your name and answer. Send the message to 53106 and we'll announce our nightly winner at the end of tonight's show. For another chance to win, all you have to do is ask the bar staff for details when you buy a pint of Bulmer's Original Draft in participating pubs later on this month. So thanks to Bulmer's Original Draft. Enjoy Bulmer's responsibly. Visit drinkaware.ie. Off the ball with thanks to Ford. Introducing the newest member of our team, the mighty new Ford C-Max. Ford, driving expectations even further. All right, giveaway time. Uh, Brian O'Driscoll's back with us and we'll be with us all the way through the World Cup and throughout the rugby season to celebrate his return. We've three signed rugby balls to give away. Just tell us 
what was Brian's first Rugby World Cup? Text BALL to 53106 with your name and your answer and we'll announce the winners later on this hour. More to give away on tomorrow's show as well. Now, South Africa's unexpected defeat at the hands of Japan last Saturday was probably the biggest upset in World Cup history and it sparked an angry response from everyone back home. Speaking on Sunday, the, court, the country's sports minister lambasted the side in public. Mr. What I saw yesterday is not the Springboks I know. And I phoned the coach and I told him, we are a nation of fighters. Next game I want to see the Springboks. Otherwise, there will be nothing else but a bunch of losers. All right, uh, we have former Ireland captain Dion Aquinigan on the line from South Africa. Dion, uh, very good evening to you. How are you? Well on yourself. Thank you for joining. Um what is the general consensus among the rugby followers of South Africa about what happened against Japan? I think the general consensus is that they underestimated Japan. Uh, they didn't treat them with respect. Um, also, there's been uh, a feeling that the side that has been selected is quite old, full of experience, but maybe carrying a few too many injuries. And um, uh, people have been worried about this World Cup, that uh, the side would not perform. And that's all come home to roost. I mean, the the end of the rugby championship was a bit of a disaster for them. But it it was there was enough time between that Argentina game and the start of the World Cup for the coaching staff to try and get things right. And it it looked like they were going to lean on their experience of some of the best players that the world has ever seen in their positions. But any idea how they failed to get it done? You know, I, I think there's been a certain arrogance within the squad that it would just happen. I mean, uh, Brian certainly would have played against uh, a Jack White Springbok team when they beat them um, in Dublin. And Jake said that just before the game, you know, you can choose any Irish player except for maybe Brian O'Driscoll and you might have him on the bench, you know. There was a certain amount of arrogance with the, which the way they approached the game against Japan. I don't think they've done their homework. Also, there's been a lot of talk about playing players uh, into form and into fitness through the pool games of the World Cup. I think when you arrive at the World Cup, you must be ready to play. You must, your squad must be fit. You must be able to take on any opposition. And um, I think they approached this World Cup with a lot of arrogance. That kind of came across, Brian, didn't it? It did a bit, yeah. It did. It, it seemed as though um, they could do what they wanted and they, they'd run out comfortable winners. And in, in fairness, there was a few times that I think the world probably thought they got to 29-22 and I thought, oh, here we go, this yeah. is it. Um, uh, Dion, long time no talk. Um, yes, we are. Nice to speak to you, Brian. Yeah. But it's um, just r- with regards to the old guard, I think he, I see he's, he's kept the faith with, uh, with Victor and John. What's the general consensus in South Africa? Particularly regarding the two of those, and yeah, I, I mean, you would you would have done battle against those guys often, and they were great rugby players and uh, household names around the world, like yourself. But I think at time they exit from the game badly. You know, it's you want to end your career on a high, and I think you you timed it perfectly. I think uh, Jean has just left it a little bit too long. He's come back from a, a devastating uh, knee injury. And usually your return from, from that kind of injury is sort of nine months to a year. He's worked hard to get himself back, but then he broke his door. And I just think it's really, almost needs, I'm a doctor, he almost needs like the medical staff to be his advocate and say, listen, John, 
this is not going to be your World Cup. I'm sorry, and pull him back. And I just see as I look at him at, in the press interviews, and he's not standing proud, his head's down, um, his body language is all wrong. And I think, same for Victor, he just looks like a this is a, a race too far. And um, I feel sorry for him. He's, he's, I mean, they're great rugby players. They've done a lot for South African rugby. I mean, it was a privilege to have played against him. Um, but I think they've just left it too long. And do um, just you, know, you talk a little bit about about maybe the the team got arrogant and just felt it would be they just they only had to turn up. What is the what's the sense in South Africa now? Do they still feel that you know, we will top the pool and do they still feel we are capable of winning the World Cup or has all hope been given up? Well, I actually in South Africa for a long time I've been mean, a lot of Irish support because a lot of people feel. That Ireland prepared very well for this World Cup, and this might be one of the World Cups where they can certainly um, get through to the last four. And and once you're in that last four, you can challenge for the the final. And the same confidence hasn't been about the Springboks, which is coming from or living in South Africa tells you a lot. Where Brian will know when when you're in 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 South Africa, everyone thinks the Springboks can win anything. And that same confidence hasn't been here, and certainly. You see Wrigley Island mentioned the papers, New Zealand mentioned the papers, England mentioned the papers. But the feeling here is Ireland, or I should say South Africa, could get through to the quarterfinals. And if they have an exceptional game on that day, they might get through the semis. But the semis is about as far as they can go. What do you think? Because, um, you know, you beware this team... Yeah, finding some kind of weird mojo and yeah, it, it, you know the galvanizing effect of a of a big of a big loss, and you, know, you slap yourself in the face a few times and realize you know this this isn't going to be this isn't going to be an easily won competition or even to qualify easily you know easily gotten through. Yeah. I think they I think you know they're lucky that it, it's a timely wake up call that it happened first up, yeah. and now they have a great opportunity. They've, you know, Granted, they're going to have three very physical games against Samoa. Even the USA will be physical, and, and Scotland, who will fancy their chances of topping the pool if they can beat them. Yeah. So when you look at it that way, um, it, is, it isn't inconceivable to think that South Africa could finish second. Of course, they, that, that could, that's very plausible. But even still, if they get to a quarterfinal, they'll, they'll, they'll back themselves. Yeah. Against anyone, they've beaten everyone in world rugby. They've beaten the, the All Blacks. It's either England, Australia, or Wales that they're going to get in a in a quarter final. And they'll think on the day against them. Yes, they can play. You know, they play well, as Dion said. They can win that. And and as he also mentioned, you get to a World Cup semi final of which they've been in plenty. Then all bets are off, and you just have to play better than the, that. You know, the team you're playing against, and then all of a sudden you find yourself in a World Cup final. Yeah. Uh, Dion, the, the Brian, uh, go on. Sorry, um, I, I just think uh, at the moment I look at the coaching staff. They they've got some brave decisions to make, um, and um, I don't think they're taking it. You know, Jean's lost a, a yard of pace. He's a bit at twelve and thirteen, certainly at the moment, and they put him into a channel where you need space uh, or you need pace, and you need to be able to use your feet. He's struggling to turn on one leg. Um, and you probably would have been, if you want to keep him in a, a leadership role in the squad, hang on to him at 12 and keep going with Jesse Creel, which I think is a fantastic youngster. I'm not sure what Brian thinks of him out at, at uh, 13. 
And then also with uh, Victor, you know, you could play him off the bench. Uh, Diago, their lock is, is very good. With Ebenet, uh, who's, who's going to start. Um, and then also you need to get the backbone of this team right. You know, uh, Bismarck uh, has lost a little bit of form. He's a fantastic hooker. Um, but uh, their story with Strauss, which is good. Then they've got Dwayne Smeon coming back. Uh, hopefully his neck is going to hold out for this World Cup. And they've changed their half pairing or half back pairing, which I think is just to go and add a little bit more experience. And I, and I think uh, Fari is going to do that for them. And and having uh, Pollard there as well is going to be good. So I always like the feeling of a, a good hooker, a good eight, good nine, good ten, and then you've kind of got a backbone of a of a good team. And I think that's what Ireland has at the moment. And um, I, I think. Um, Hanukkah has to hold on to sort of this backbone and maybe fill in a few of the spaces um, with some youngsters who are, are keen to put their body on the line. Yeah, and who might bring a bit of X factor to the team, which obviously they don't have at the moment. No, have at the moment, correct. Um, Dion, we've got to ask you, do you have happy memories of the World Cup generally or is it like, mm, I don't want to talk about that? No, I mean, we had a challenging World Cup. It was 99. Uh, it was... Um, uh, I won't say. I think, I think you've got a competition running, but um, that's all right. We, uh, you, you can you can spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Brian's first World Cup, uh, and in a way, we also had a similar situation where we had a little bit of arrogance in that World Cup, in that we went across to France to play Argentina. We'd beaten them 45 uh, by about 45 points just before the World Cup, and I think we rested quite a few of our senior players. Um, we didn't start that game. Paddy Johns was on the bench. Um, and we ended up losing to Argentina. Um, so lessons were learned there. I think uh, Irish sides, uh, and I, I watch Irish rugby very closely, I think a, a certain amount of um, extra professionalism has come out of it. I, I see Ireland as one of the, the most professional setups over the last 10 years, and the way they've approached the Six Nations and the World Cup ever since then has been exceptional. And I think there was a big learning curve for all of us. The arrogance thing is a real thing because it was like this massive shock we got beaten by Argentina and then it turns out actually Argentina are really good at rugby. <laughs> They've gotten to World Cup semi-final yeah. and we haven't. Yeah. You know, so yeah, yeah it correct. is. Um, and even now, do you know, um, you know without, without getting ahead of ourselves, but you know, I, I genuinely see the Argentinian potential quarter-final as a, as a bigger banana skin than, than playing France. Yeah. A tougher game. I think they're better organised. Uh, they're more physical. Yeah. Um, I, I just and they've they've really you know as much as Ireland have kind of slipped in under the radar in this preseason, I think Argentina really have too, and and obviously they they beat South Africa and beat them well in in South yeah. Africa. You know, a team, a team capable of doing that yeah. is a team capable of getting to a World Cup semi final comfortably. Yeah. You know, it's only small small things um, change games, and if, if you watch that uh, first half, uh, New Zealand uh, Argentina. Um, Argentina were all over New Zealand, and um, and New Zealand were playing well. And uh, just uh, one or two little uh, decisions in any game can change it. And I think Argentina on the day can beat anyone. And that quarterfinal game is going to be a proper challenge for Ireland. Um, but I think one that they will back themselves for. Dion, just a final question. You're still involved in rugby. Is that true in, in South Africa? <laughs> no, no. Uh, I, I am a medical doctor, so I see a, a lot of rugby players, but um, uh, I, I'm not involved in coaching or anything like that. 
Uh, and you know, I'm a, a couch rugby supporter now. Right. No harm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, listen, it's been a pleasure talking to you and a stroll down memory lane for a lot of people. Thanks very much for joining us. Yeah, well, I'm coming across to the World Cup and therefore it's in the final, so I hope to see Ireland there. Nice one. Deanna Quinnigan, great to have you. Yeah. Thanks a million. Go well. Cheers, Brian. Cheers, Cheers Dan. Um, the, the, it's hard to kind of remind everybody just how black the mood was after we got beaten by... Um, it's called the Lons debacle, I think mm. is how it's official title in Irish rugby history. Uh, but honestly, like, Argentina, not exactly a third world rugby country. Yeah, but they were then. <laughs> they were then. And uh, as he mentioned, you know, we absolutely hockeyed them in, um, in a game in Lansdowne Road. Right. Uh, there was only my third cap before. I think we only played one warm up game before that World Cup. Um, and we, we played well and beat them well. So we obviously were massively overconfident I, I I suppose as a young guy because I felt there was more coming that I was able to shelve it a little bit more than yeah. others were but you look back at it now and it was a pretty dark day yeah and it probably killed a lot of careers as well yeah I think there was listen the influx of of fresh blood the following uh, six nations was evidence of that you know there was, there was the saviours of Irish rugby where Raj and Strings the so-called saviours or the self-proclaimed saviours <laughs> Raj, Shaggy, Strings Hayes Simon Easterby all getting capped against Scotland uh, Dennis Hickey coming back into the mix Hickey um, wasn't in that squad for the World Cup no it? he wasn't no that wasn't a good decision no, no, he'd he'd had a bad cheekbone break in '98, and then hadn't had a good game against South Africa, but then um, had shown some really good form for Leinster, so eventually came back in. Okay. and common sense prevailed. Yeah, okay. Uh, another opportunity to enter our competition before we head over to Wales to uh, see what they think is going to happen against England with JJ Williams. That's coming up in just a moment. But uh, competition this week is with thanks to Bulmer's original draft. We're giving you the chance to spend a day with us here behind the scenes at Off The Ball. Every entry this week will go into tomorrow's draw for the prize. We've also got an Irish rugby jersey signed by Alan Quinlan for our nightly winner this evening. To enter, we've a slightly different mystery voice tonight. We don't want the commentator. We want you to tell us which member of Team Off The Ball he's talking about. He really is a, a weasel when he gets the ball in his hands. And he was a whippet there. Text FAN along with your name and answer. Send the message to 53106. And we'll announce our nightly winner at the end of tonight's show. You can find out more on Bulmer's Facebook page. Or by following Bulmer's Ireland on Twitter, it's all with uh, thanks to Bulmer's original draft. If, and if you know the commentator's name, text that in as well, because <laughs> someone would like to know who it is. <laughs> Look, lucky person to be described <laughs> as a weasel. <laughs> Enjoy Bulmer's responsibly. Visit drinkaware.ie. Off the ball, with thanks to Ford. Introducing the newest member of our team, the mighty new Ford C-Max. Ford, driving expectations even further. All right, just uh, time to tell you about a huge event taking place at the Ockram Street Sports Centre. It's the Smithfield International Box Fest. If you want to head along, it's on tonight and tomorrow. For details, email smithfieldboxingclub at gmail.com. Um, and that's a brilliant initiative happening up there in the Ockram Street Sports Centre. 53106 is the text number here if you want to get in touch with us on Off The Ball. Delighted to say we have Wales legend JJ Williams on the line. JJ, thanks for taking the call. No problem. Now, um, this is a Wales team shorn of many of their superstars, and yet at the same time, it feels like there's a curious level of optimism amongst the Wales fans. Am I detecting that right, or uh, have um, I...? Yeah, nervous optimism, yes. I mean, we're fairly confident. I think most people think we can win. Most Welsh, Welsh people, that is. Uh, but, you know, we, we know that we lose in half penny and, uh, and he is a vital player for Wales because he keeps our scoreboard ticking over. But we've got a very experienced team anyway, you know, and uh, we're more experienced than England and uh, we don't fear them at all. We go in there full of confidence, I'd say. 
Brian, the thing about um, Lee Halfpenny that maybe we don't really understand is that it's not just his kicking, it's the work rate that he has. Yeah, he's an incredibly fit guy and he he kind of epitomises what their game plan is about. It's about outworking the, outworking the opposition and they might look very programmed at times but it's there's methods to, to the madness of outworking teams through multiple phases where then they the, the outside backs regenerate onto the far side of the pitch on the in the wide rooks and then when the ball comes to them they should get mismatches against some some tight forwards of the opposition uh, I, I remember watching a try last year where Lee Halfpenny scored and his work rate across the the, the, the whole way across the pitch in regenerating around and I, dro- I dropped Rob Howley a text message and I said that was unbelievably impressive and he said you're right he is his fitness is, is one of the real key strengths that people don't know about yeah. in his game where he, he makes himself the extra number that can be the difference between that last pass or the actual try score. Yeah, um, and in, in a way, maybe that's what's given Welsh fans and the Welsh team confidence, JJ. It's the fact that they have this sense of identity that is uh, pretty clearly lacking from this current England team. That's right. I mean, the, the, the side picked itself, really. You know, England made some amazing changes in midfield the last few days to surprise a lot of us. It was never going to happen in Wales. Of course, we haven't got the strength and depth of England. But the Welsh side, you know, it's a very established side. Lots of the players got 50-plus caps. So it's a very experienced team. And that could tip the balance tomorrow, you know, that uh, they shouldn't really get caught up in the occasion, the Welsh team, because they are so experienced. Now, some of the English boys are relatively inexperienced, in, in so they like, could, could help us that way, you know. But uh, And, you know, we're talking about half-penny just now, Brian was quite rightly saying, but Liam Williams brings another dimension again, you know, he's very, very quick, he's very elusive, of course he hasn't got the goal-kicking capabilities to half-penny, but he is uh, one of our best runners in Welsh rugby, so, you know, we are, OK, we're weakened with the goal-kicking, but not in the attacking department. Liam Williams has a bit of a reputation as a hothead, and I'm not sure if it's entirely justified. Um, there's been a few high-profile incidents. People might remember, they might not, but it's on YouTube. Um, a penalty try conceded against South Africa in South Africa um, last year when it was a, an opportunity for a historic away win. Is that unfair to kind of... I think it's unfair using that one as an example. He dived over to Scotland, scoring a, a, a try in the last second. He didn't put his arms around someone, so technically it was a penalty, and he got red-carded for it, but... Uh, but he, uh, it is a brave thing to do. Look, yes, he has got a slight temperament to him. He's an, he's an ex-scaffolder. He's a rough, tough old guy. But he's, he's an exciting player. The only problem is he's had, he's had a dead leg from last week's game against Uruguay. And as Brian will tell you, once you've got a dead leg, it takes more than a week to shake that off. You know, The fizzers would have worked hard on him this week. But it's a nasty injury to have. So I hope he's uh, fit and uh, well, fully fit, really, to, to compete tomorrow. Because he's going to be a big player. Because... The ball's going to come in at him and he's got to bring this ball back up and with his two wingers, George North, and a new wing, Hallam Amos, on the other wing, you know, so it's a big job for him. JJ, I agree with you. Sorry, Brian here. I, I, um, I just wonder, and you're absolutely right, you know, no pain medication, nothing can be done for a dead leg. Functionally, yeah. if, you're, if your leg will not operate the way you want it or it won't bend, you cannot run the same way with the same freedom as you usually do so I would have major concerns as to how fit he is and I'm yeah. sure England will go after that is he picked at 15 on, 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 um, for the purpose because there's absolutely nobody else to go in and fill that role like who, who, I, I think if, so, he, if he doesn't play who plays at 15 yeah well I think so I think Reese Priestland might uh, of course we, we, we've got Hook in, uh, as well so obviously he got to play full back but they don't want him you know and mm. uh, they, don't, they haven't got him in, in the 31 no, they have brought him into the 31 now, but he's only in the match day. 
State Party. So, you know, they don't want to use him for some reason, but he could be. He could have been a good substitute. But you're right, it is a risk with Liam Williams, and if he comes off injured, it's going to affect us massively, you know, because on the other side, Mike Brown is such a dangerous player, and he is one of their main playmakers, bringing that ball from deep position, so quick as well. And uh, it would be a blow for us if Liam uh, was, uh, had to come off for the dead leg. And are the forwards as powerful as they need to be to withstand the tumult of what's coming from England? Well, I don't think the English pack are, are awesome. Well, they're not like they've had in the past, but they've always been a very strong eight. Now, we've got a very ex- experienced uh, pack, really, with Alan Wynne-Jones and Gethin Jenkins. Now, these are two established British Lions. Our back row, Lydiard, Falatau and Sam Warburton, the Lions back row, you know, the experienced boys and uh, we've got Tom Francis come in as prop and uh, he's only played a little bit of rugby for the Exeter Chiefs he's, in, he's from Yorkshire he's been put in instead of Samson Lee who was one of our sort of new up and coming props but Samson's got an Achilles problem so he's on the bench so okay there are a couple of problems there but I think our pack should at least get a par uh, with England but it's the way we're going to use the ball isn't it Brian you know it's not just uh, you're not going to roll them back or blast them up front we need to use the ball well and this is such that makes the least amount of mistakes at this very high level will win this game. England haven't picked a very exciting three-quarter line, have they? I think it's, it's quite negative the way they look as though they're going at it. What do you make of those centre pairings and, and who do you feel has the upper hand? Yeah. Um, Sam Burgess has gotten so much airtime this last year yeah. and Brad Barrett probably had one of his worst games for England uh, against Fiji. Um, and and you know you've seen Jonathan Davis and his loss is yeah. is, is 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 you know Huge, is yeah. enormous. Yeah. Um, but Scott Williams is a very nice player, albeit he's a he's a twelve more than a thirteen. How do you think that contest is going to go between the two cent- pairs of centres? Well, the big talk over here is about Sam Burgess against Jamie Roberts. These two juggernauts going head on, you know. But I think it's going to be more than that. I think that will cancel itself out. It's how they use the ball. I mean, Scott Williams is very quick. And he's got a lot of pace, and he adds a lot of penetration for that uh, centre position. But I mean, the, the English three quarters ha- has had to change through the inju- injury to uh, to, to uh, Jonathan Joseph, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, so uh, it's before some. And do you know, I don't know what you think, Brian, but I think that uh, when England played last week against Fiji, they were moving the ball across the field a lot, but no one was penetrating down the middle. Now, I don't know if Burgess would have been used, even if Joseph had been fit, just to take it down the middle a little bit, as Jimmy Roberts does for Wales, and then. They were spinning out because uh, you know they did actually play into Fiji's hands by moving the ball out wide last week, and, uh, and in fact too much at times, which is quite amazing because it was coming from England. I, I suppose that the issue with 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 playing Burgess and Barrett in midfield is that you look at the X factor of the of the back three of England. Uh, Anthony Watson has been magnificent yeah. in in the warm up games. Johnny May has probably surprised people with how good he's been. You mentioned Mike Brown and how good he is. How are those guys going to get ball? Because Wales. Tend not to kick very loosely. As much as they they kick long and don't don't kick to to find touch, it, you know um, the the bigger and and Davis at nine and ten will kick smart and make sure that the ball is hitting ground and not gives counter attacking options. So I would have concerns from an English perspective. If yeah. you've got this X factor out wide, yeah, how I, are you getting the ball to them? Well, that's right. And you think if they're just going to, I mean, one thing Wales can do is defend well. You know, they they spend a lot of time in defence, and this midfield is, uh, bot- is, is going to bottle up. So they're going to have to have more than just Sam Burgess barging through the middle. They're going to have to have fingertip skills of some kind. Yes, it will be Cresses uh, there, Brian, but uh, uh, good. I'm glad they've got problems, because these <laughs> wingers that they've got, Watson and uh, Johnny May, are on form, aren't they? You know, when the, 
the way they've been playing with Ford uh, inside them, it's been working nicely. But they've changed a lot now, surprisingly. They brought Farrell in, and they've got Burgess in the midfield with Barrett. So there's, there's no silky skills in the middle anymore, are they, like, uh, like they had uh, over the last summer? I, I agree with you on, on, on uh, Scott Williams. Scott Williams is a very quick player, yeah. but he's also got a really good distribution game. Um, so you know that his outside backs you know can expect to get some ball because he's not afraid to throw you know the small little passes, but he's not af- afraid to throw the fifteen meter passes. And he's he's kind of a ballsy player, so yeah. he's the sort of guy that is exciting for a back three player to play outside. He's got pace as well, isn't he? A he lot does. of pace. He's got a winning try in Twickenham for us. Uh, a few years back, and you know he knows the way to trial in as well. Of course, our real threat is the George North, isn't it? And we haven't exploited George enough for the last uh, season or so, really, because I think we've kicked a little bit too much. But if he can give the ball and give it to him in space, then I'm sure he will cause uh, some real chaos in the English defence. All right, JJ, that's all we've got time for. But thanks for joining us, and best of luck. Pleasure. Well, thank you very much. JJ Williams, there, giving us his thoughts. Uh, we did briefly want to talk about the out-half situation. You thought that was unfair oh, yeah. that the... Well, I think it's beyond belief that you have one out half that plays in one way, you have another out half that plays the other way. So the whole team has, because of one position and one decision by the management, it's like you you have to jump from one style of play over the other in the space of you know one management decision. Yeah, well, it certainly wouldn't inspire confidence in in everyone else seeing that change. It's the one position you want stability, and I and I suppose you know in two thousand eleven we had a little bit of that where Sexto wasn't kicking brilliantly, you know, from the ground yeah. kicking his points. Um, but yet he was playing well, and then Rogers coming in and kicking goals. But yet he didn't have the same, you know, uh, ability to take the ball to the line and be an attacking threat himself. So it was, it was, it was hard to know which was your best option. And Wales beat us, or so Wales going to beat England? Is that what you're? Uh, I don't know. I, JJ's almost convincing, convincing. me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's confusion. Put up on the argument on the English side, isn't it? It the is. I don't. I, I think that's a negative. I don't yeah. really don't see how the, how you can spin a positive out of that. Um, the only way that they can win is through brute force and through kicking goals and chasing kicks, which I, I, I would imagine we're, we're in for a snore fest from them. Yeah, so that doesn't uh, promise to be exciting in terms of the quality of rugby, but it promises to be exciting in terms of the game. It's the first proper huge game of the World Cup. That one's tomorrow evening. And then also at Villa Park, it's uh, Samoa and South Africa. South Africa are going to win that, right? That's the prediction everybody's predicting. I have to think so. Yeah. But um, not put any money on it. <laughs> I, I just think that I think they will. They'll come back and and they'll have a big performance. All right. Uh, Nineteen ninety nine was, of course, Brian's uh, first World Cup. The winners of the signed rugby balls are Connor McKeown in Westport, Ed Connor in Clara, and Sean Clancy in Terenure. Sean Kane and Tala correctly identified tonight's mystery voice was, of course, talking about Brian O'Driscoll. He wins an Irish rugby jersey signed by Alan Quinlan. Uh, every first time he's been called a weasel. <laughs> Every correct entry tonight also goes into tomorrow's draw for a day in the studio with us. It's all with thanks to Bulmer's original draft. Enjoy Bulmer's responsibly. Check out drinkaware.ie. Thanks very much, Brian. Cheers. We'll see you again very soon. Yep. Uh, we are going to be back after the news with the crappy quiz and the best of the week. And I've had a restaurant recommendation if anybody's heading over for the game in London this weekend. Smith & Walensky's in uh, the Adelphi building just off the Strand. Apparently they do the best steaks in the world. So head along. Back after these. Off the ball, getting inside the game. Sponsored by Ireland's favourite car brand, Ford. Go further.